Welcome everyone to the Entertainment Buffet podcast for the 100th time. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek, and with me is longtime guest, good friend of the show, Josh Sibley. How you doing, Josh? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been, um, but you know, if there's anyone, uh, since Jess unfortunately couldn't be a part of this episode, I was like, you know what, I, I'm very curious what Josh's underrated movies would be uh, for this topic. So um, yeah, let's, uh, uh, real quick before we get started, Josh, on the topic, uh, you want to share with everyone like what you've been up to, places they can catch you? Um, Yeah, I've been up to making movies and doing movie reviews and I mean, you know, the the usual. Um, You can find (laughs) Instant Movie Reviews, which is uh, my uh, review show that I am a host and producer on, on Instagram, Facebook, and I think we have a Twitter, Instant Movie Review. We're working on a website, um, but you can find us there. You can find my personal information, just everything's J. Scott Sibley, just the letter and and that. So check out, and also check out Deft Pictures because... That's my production company and where we have some, uh, I actually just finished a rough cut of our new film last night. So hoping to have that out in the next couple months here. So that'll be exciting. Nice. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's uh, been a little while since we've had an episode, uh, everyone, you know, I apologize for the, the hiatus, but uh, I'm still going to be dropping some mini episodes here and there. And uh, like Josh, I'm going to be bringing on some awesome guests. Uh, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, I do know in episode 101, uh, we're going to have Sarah Ar- Archer, uh, who is an author. Um, we talk all about her process from when she first got the idea all the way to uh, her book being on shelves. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that in the next episode. Um, but yeah, uh, one thing that's been a tradition on the Entertainment Fay podcast for years is I love me some top tens. A uh, huge fan because it is, I spend more time and like effort and like emotional pain on top tens than I do like probably most of my educational career. Like I just... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm really, you know, I want to like plant my flag in the sand. Like this is my top 10 of this category. Um, and I take it way too seriously, but <laughs> it's just uh, what I feel uh, with top 10s. It's uh, quite a challenge. Um, this time we are going to be talking about uh, top 10 most underrated movies so uh kind of to preface you know underrated can mean many different things um these are movies that may have had uh may have done decently financially they may have done great critically um but they're movies that for whatever reason no one really talks about them anymore um and uh it feels like a lot of these movies uh, at least for me on my list is uh, i'm like have you seen that and they're like no uh or have you seen that yes i love that it's like i love or have no idea of its existence (laughs) so these are movies that we want to highlight and uh yeah just talk about uh how underrated they are and how hopefully you guys uh the listeners want to check some of these out um highly recommended um so uh yeah josh uh before we jump in do you have some honorable mentions for underrated movies that didn't quite make your list but you still want to bring them up oh no, yeah i i did um i cut out the darjeeling limited from wes anderson 
because like I I think I'm biased with that movie because I was kind of like I saw Fantastic Mr. Fox I think first but that was like my first like live action you know Wes Anderson movie so like that's kind of how I fell in love with him and his in his style and everything and so I think that's kind of my honorable mention but I a lot of people don't like that movie it's kind of his, one of his weakest ones a lot of people think but I I like that movie yeah that's out of his like 10 so movies I think that and the newest one um and maybe one more i feel like i've seen most of his filmography but that's one i never saw because it was usually everyone's like least favorite <laughs> but it's like i mean it's a it's you know the quote-unquote worst wes anderson which is like better than most movies so true um any other honorable mentions you want to throw out there um no I, I cheated and put one in like three and one number so when i get to it we'll just we'll just go through that that was that was probably my honorable mention was uh uh, the Darjeeling Limited. Gotcha. All right. Um, I have a little bit of, I have a good little list of honorable mentions. Uh, the original Tremors, uh, <laughs> absolute classic. Uh, <laughs> That's underrated. I think it's underrated. If you really watch it, I think it should be considered like one of the top, you know, horror slash adventure, action, comedy, everything great movies. Uh, where does it fall in the list of Kevin Bacon movies? <laughs> towards the top. Somewhere between Apollo 13 and Footloose. Top, top five minimum. Um, <laughs> uh, X-Men First Class, uh, I threw on there. Uh, Last Jedi, more so just because the, the haters out there, if you actually go back and watch it. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, feel like is a marvel movie that everyone just forgets everyone's just talking about Endgame and you know uh thor ragnarok and black panther i'm like you know winter soldier is like the best one but that's me um i also had jordan peele's us uh that movie freaked me out just as much if not more than get out but no one has really talked about it since it came out um another movie i saw later was hustlers wow i don't know why that wasn't nominated for best picture um and then uh trial of chicago seven i know it was nominated for a bunch of stuff this last year but not enough people have seen it <laughs> yeah that really got buried uh, i feel like it just fell into the abyss and that's one thing that's hard about netflix movies um oh, they they released that at a really bad time they put that yeah. in october so by the time awards came around in april like we had this year no one cared anymore yeah um another sorkin one steve jobs with michael fassbender i think is a very oh, that's a good one I should yeah very underrated directed by danny boyle um, can i put that on my on my honorable mentions list now too <laughs> uh absolutely because i will always talk about that steve jobs movie i've seen it like 15 times um and then lastly uh i will say bugs life uh mainly because out of all the pixar movies it's always towards the bottom uh and i'm like you guys know like this one's still pretty good right it's not my like favorite pixar but i just think that's one that gets it gets shit for no reason and um yeah it's because you're the high of toy story one and the really high of toy story two and then bugs like kind of got forgotten but it's better than like you know the cars movies better than woody allen cars two yeah <laughs> although you know the cars three is underrated i'll give that i watched that for the first time like last year and it was actually it was pretty good I have not seen a single Cars movie, but uh, maybe I'll just watch the third. <laughs> one and three. Just watch one and three. Two doesn't make any sense. So, <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to kind of skim over and, and uh, say really quickly, uh, Josh, uh, go ahead and hit us with your uh, ranking of 10 through six for your top 10 most underrated movies. 
Okay, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. Oh, so boy. number ten, number ten is Darren Aronofsky's Noah. I feel like no one really appreciated that movie for what it was when it came out. Like it got a lot of controversy, but then everyone forgot about it as a, like a movie. Everyone's like Darren Aronofsky, Black, you know, Swan. I was a Black Widow, <laughs> Black Swan, and um, you know, Life of Pi and all that. Everyone forgets it. Number nine, Coen Brothers movie Burn After Reading came out right after. Uh, no Country for Old Men, really funny, and no one remembers it, and they think of the other ones, and it's it's up there with, like, their best. Yeah. Um, number eight, I cheated, and these are three movies, and they're all by, like, famous directors now, and they're Don't all Don't say movies. the three Hobbit movies. <laughs> no, they're all ones that no one remembers um, from, from uh, the famous directors now. So you have Prisoners, The Prestige, and Zodiac from, I never can pronounce that guy's name right, but Villain... Vill- Denis you know, Villeneuve. Thank you. Uh, Chris Nolan and uh, David Fincher. At number seven, I went with The New World by Terrence Malick, which is like the Pocahontas movie. No one saw that. No one remembers it. It came out in 2005. Really good movie. At number six, the Ryan Gosling movie Lars and the Real Girl from 2008, somewhere in there. Ooh, Before yeah. Drive. Before I've, Drive. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen Lars and the Real Girl, but that's been on my list. I'm one to see because I just looks like a unique performance and premise. <laughs> it, it's really good. And I honestly would, would have put it higher, but it's been eight, nine years since I've seen it. And so I wanted to rewatch it, didn't get to it. So I had to put it, I had to put it down. I, I can't talk to it too much. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a movie that's on my list that you have said. Um, so uh yeah uh for my i will say before i give my 10 through 6 a lot of these could have been interchangeable in this whole 10 through 6 position um like you could talk to me tomorrow and those could probably flip around but i just know that these 10 uh should be on the list um so my number 10 is edge of tomorrow uh i I refuse to call it live die repeat uh just because i feel like it's movie oof had so much you go with the original title all you need is kill oh. <laughs> that was what the, that was that was the original um, yeah i think it was a blacklist script great movie trouble with the title need to watch it my number nine is from denis villeneuve prisoners also um if you can go and catch me on the defending your movie podcast uh i'm going to be on an episode of that where jeremy meyer and i talk about that for a long time so go go listen to my thoughts on that on defending your movie also available on the entertainment buffet youtube channel at some point coming soon um my number eight is warrior uh it's with tom hardy and joel edgerton uh number seven nick nolte can't forget nick nolte (laughs) yes nick nolte um it's it's a movie that's much like the rock or not not the rock uh rocky it was like the the rock it's it's a well no i was like man i remember warrior oh man that should be on my list that's one of the most underrated movies ever uh michael bay's only i watched that for the first time like a couple about a month or so ago never seen it before and serendipitously it was on tv while i was in san francisco staying near alcatraz and wasn't it amazing it was pretty good i was like some of the lines i was like these are real lines these were not censored this is just a <laughs> cage saying things yep uh i still say my favorite james bond movie um <laughs> uh my number seven uh is fifty fifty. Um, that one with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, uh, I think the director is Jonathan Levine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my number six is the 2007 remake of 310 to Yuma um, by, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, he directed James Mangold. James Mangold, yes. Um, 
for me with Westerns, it's very hit or miss. Most of the time miss, but this one, it's like, this is how you do it. Just great acting, cool action for a Western and incredible direction. So 310 to Yuma. Yeah, it was my number six. Um, yeah, so far Prisoners <laughs> is on both of our top tens. Uh, I, I, that's one that I often, that's the one I tell. It's like people have either seen it and they're like, oh, that's good. Or they have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> that's that's why I put it with um, Prestige and Zodiac because it's like all kind of the same. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, I love David Fincher." I'm like, have you seen Zodiac? And they're like, "No, it looked boring." And I say, like, "Oh, I love Chris Nolan." Oh, you seen stuff that's not the Batman movies? Like, yes, it's Inception and Memento. Like, have you seen the Prestige? Because it's like one of his best movies. And they're like, "What? You mean Dunkirk?" And I'm like, "No, not Dunkirk." <laughs> Yeah, definitely still one of his top like three to five movies for Nolan, for sure. Um, but yeah, Prisoners, that was one. I have no idea why that wasn't nominated for awards, really, besides... Too early. It's all politics. It came out way too early. It came out in September. Which is... It's it crazy just, I remember that's seeing early. Theaters. That's just yeah, a I mean, few that's months. Early for, that's early for the awards. You gotta, you know, it didn't have... It's too dark, too. It was way too dark. It is very dark. It's I very recently dark. rewatched it. I did too. I was watching his movies before uh, Dune, but I only I only watched that one. I never got to the other ones. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I definitely agree with all of yours. A few of them I have not seen, but now uh, I'm gonna want to see those. Oh, just just like... wait. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Noah. I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge fan of Aronofsky, <laughs> besides the wrestler. Um, all right. So now we're getting into the nitty gritty. We're gonna get more into detail um josh go ahead and hit me with your number five most underrated movie okay when you think of steven spielberg and tom hanks what comes to mind catch me if you can saving private ryan no one remembers <laughs> the terminal from 2004 it's i rewatched this recently it was on netflix i was one of those like you know netflix sends you a little notification like you might watch the terminal and i was like oh yeah terminal you're like, yeah, you know on netflix i think i might <laughs> I think I might. Not because you told me to, but because I was looking for something to do tonight anyway. <laughs> and yeah, I, I rewatched it and it's I mean it's 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 a it's a nice little movie. You know, it's it's a really well done, it's funny, it's you know, uplifting, it's you know, it's it's just something you don't see a whole lot, and I feel like it just completely is forgotten, especially for being Spielberg and Tom Hanks, and yeah. Catherine Zeta Jones is in it too. Yeah, do you think it's because of like Tom Hanks like doing that accent, or do you think it's the premise? I wonder, like, why why did that movie just? I think fall? it's because it's it's a, like a romantic comedy, basically. I mean, Spielberg decided to be to make a sentimental romantic comedy, and he nails it. And it's you know it's heartwarming. And I'm not gonna you know lie. I mean, it's good romantic comedy. I, I, you know, I love a good one. And you know, it's it's really well done. And I think it's just one of those that it just gets overshadowed by Spielberg's other work. Yeah, I that's one I have not seen. I think I saw it when it like first came out on DVD. So it was probably like what oh four oh five. Oh four, um, yeah, yeah. I looked and... up my top five years, so <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, I um, I, I remember enjoying it, but yeah, it was not one that blown me away. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's usually whenever I see a ranking of Spielberg movies, it's like towards the bottom or like the middle at best, usually. Yeah. I mean, these are not like, you know, I don't, I, none of these are, I mean, I like a lot of these movies, of course, but I don't think they're like the best movies ever made. 
you yeah. know, this is my list of movies that I think you should watch if you're, you know, that are just, people don't like them for whatever reason, or they're just kind of forgotten. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's, uh, I, one thing I remember from that was when he did the, the whole thing where he would like return, what was it, like returning shopping carts for like the quarter or something? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it flows really well. It's, um, it's I mean, I, I think it's like an hour 45 or something like that. So it's not even that long. Yeah. It flows well. I mean, it's just, his character is charming and funny and, you know, there's just a lot to, and, oh, it's, it's one of those, you watch it again, it's got, um, um, what's the guy who played um, Cassian Andor in the Star Wars movie? Um, Diego Luna, is that his name? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, him and Zoe Saldana are both in that movie as like small characters, and it's it's funny to kind of see that like before <laughs> they were really big, before they could be like the top actor in a movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially Zoe Saldana, she plays like a TSA agent. Yeah um yeah i'll have to give that a have to give that a rewatch um my uh number five is not a romantic comedy but just a straight-up comedy which feels like these never happen anymore um is it the hangover (laughs) no uh you could check out episode i think it's 93 Uh, i talked with a couple comedians about how like just comedy movies feels like feels like it's a dying thing in hollywood um unless it's like some big gimmick movie uh this one uh is a recent movie that i feel like you either love it or you haven't seen it and that is game night uh (laughs) this came out in 2018 uh from john francis daly and jonathan goldstein uh they're like a writer director duo um who freaks and geeks right yeah well yeah they're both they both from that i know i know they didn't write for it but they were they were actors on it i think well, John Francis Daly was like the main Freaks and Geeks guy, where uh, like the actor, whereas Jonathan Goldstein has more so just been a writer um, that they kind of connected at some point. But yeah, it's Game Night has uh, Rachel McAdams, Jason Bateman, and I just think it is so fucking funny. And also it goes does a lot of dark humor. Uh, they do a really interesting, odd character with Jesse Plemons. Uh, <laughs> um, one of my favorite just little bits is where they're carrying in like groceries and um, <laughs> he notices that they have like three bags of tortilla chips. And he's like, oh, you guys having game night? And they're like, no, 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 this, this is all for us. He, uh, it, was a, it was a deal, it was a three for one. He's like, that seems highly unprofitable for the Frito Lay company. You know, like, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot about, I forgot about that whole. The, yeah, he's like the best character in the whole, and like it, the supporting cast of that uh, movie's uh, crazy too. It's got um, Lamorne Morris and um, Billy Magnuson before he was kind of bigger, and um, and Michael C. Hall in it too. Uh, yeah, he has like kind of a cameo towards the end. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chelsea Peretti is in it for a scene. That's right. Um, I forgot about. It. I saw it like a. I saw it in theaters, and then uh, I, I actually I introduced a friend to it, going, "Hey, you never seen this movie? It's actually really funny. It's really underrated. So that, that's a good pick." Yeah, it's so funny. I was dying in the theaters, and then I rewatched it. I think it was like a year ago uh, during quarantine. I showed it to a couple people who hadn't seen it. And they're like, wow, this is actually good. I, I'm like, I know, a straight up comedy that's good? Imagine that. Or like they didn't give away all the good jokes in the trailer, uh, which is just the 
big issue with comedy movies nowadays. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and move on. What is your fourth most underrated movie? So my fourth one is a Steve Carell movie with Kira Knightley, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I Ooh. feel like it's a movie that's completely forgotten and it's really, really good. I saw it in theaters and instantly loved it. It's just one of those like charming movies. And I said that about the terminal too. I guess a lot of them are charming here, but it's just one of those movies that's just, it's so dark, but it's kind of like a warm hug of a movie, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's- I've only it's, heard good things. I've seen parts of it, but not the full movie. It's well done. It's, it's weird for sure. And it's just one of those movies, they don't, they don't make movies like that anymore. They don't, you know, with big stars like that, kind of just this slow burn of a, I mean, it's a comedy, but it's also, you know, has very serious moments in it. I mean, the premise is that the, the world is ending and Steve Carell's wife, who's actually played by Steve Carell's real wife, <laughs> um, just leaves him. And so he's just trying to figure out how to navigate the last two weeks before the world ends. And there's a lot of stuff in there where it's just kind of like, yes, this is exactly how people would be when the world is ending. You know, he goes to a party and people are just like, who wants to try heroin? Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, uh, you're right, though. It's like uh, premises like that, I feel like, don't quite get greenlit anymore, except for like High maybe concept. small indie movies, maybe. Like, we'll try something like that. But they wouldn't have like Kira Knightley and Steve Carell you know, who's, you know, the main character in The Office, which at the time was one of the most popular shows. And like- He'd been, he'd been off The Office for several years at this point. Oh, had he? I thought this movie was older. 2012. So he, had, he left The Office in 2000, eh, maybe it was around 11, 2010, 2011. So maybe it wasn't that long, but it felt like it. Yeah. Um, damn, another one I need to see. <laughs> Half yeah, the it, it, this episode just give me more stuff for my watch list <laughs> right it falls a little bit into the uh manic pixie dream girl trope but you know i think it tries to correct itself a little bit but um it's one of those yeah people people need to see it and enjoy it do you know who directed that one was it anyone that like oh. lawrence scafaria hustlers she made hustlers to bring everything oh she directed hustlers god damn around yeah and she made it she directed an episode of succession and several episodes of new girl which wow. had lamore and morris so everything's connected <laughs> uh and apparently she's uh dating bo burnham interesting um Who was in another movie at one time <laughs> that's not on anyone's list but yeah, just plug it you know if you haven't seen um promising young woman you should check that one out that's a that's a good movie that's on my watch list for sure. Can't say it's underrated because it was nominated for like literally every Academy Award that could be there. <laughs> um, but there's some movies that are nominated for everything, uh, but then like after the year or two after, people forget about it, like Spotlight. Like oh, no yeah. one no one watches Spotlight anymore. That was my um, movie of the week a couple weeks ago on and some movie reviews was Spotlight during our true story movie month. <laughs> um all right, my number four on any other day could have very easily been like my number one, but um, I <clears throat> have from 2016, The Nice Guys. Uh, this is some Shane Black, uh, my favorite movie that year. Uh, Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling, both hilarious. I feel like Gosling should have been nominated for this movie. Uh, it's just- This is before La La Land, right? Yeah, the year, I think the year before. And he just, 
plays such an interesting uh, character uh, that you, you know you think is kind of slapsticky in comedy, but then has like a tragic, um, you know, kind of background. And I don't know. I just feel like this is a movie that it's not a full-on comedy. It's more of like a dark comedy, uh, buddy cop, you know, story. Uh, and it's so well done. And I think that like, there's like some twists and turns um, and like, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to spoil, but I'll, I'll try to vaguely say something. A big thing, if you haven't seen the movie, a big thing that I love is it seems like a certain thing is like, oh, they're going to save the day in this fashion or yada, yada, yada. But in, in one circumstance, they don't. Like they fail. Um, uh, and so it was like, oh, wow, most movies would have totally saved, you know, that. But they just, yeah, it's something that I think Shane Black did a very unique movie. Um, he's really only directed a, a few movies or a handful besides like Iron Man 3 and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He did um, Predator, the Predator reboot, didn't he? Yeah, they, that's it's fine not to mention that one. Uh, <laughs> at least as far as I've heard, I haven't seen it. But The Nice Guys, I just think, was such a breath of fresh air especially because that year i remember it was like the movies were like finding dory captain america civil war and like it was just a bunch of sequels and like franchise movies and then it was like it felt like one of the only original movies that came out that year um and i think i saw it at yeah. least twice in theaters maybe two or three times because i was like i want this movie to be financially successful <laughs> That's a good, yeah, I'm going to end up watching that again. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, God, it is so funny. Um, all right, uh, now we're down to top three. Top three. All right, my, so number three is a movie that I'm, I was debating this one because I don't know if it's underrated as much as no one's literally ever heard of it. It's called, <laughs> it's from 2017. It's called Band-Aid. Yep, like, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's two words. It's not like the, the you know, the, the bandage. It's band-aid. So it's directed and starring um, Zoe, directed by and starring Zoe Lister-Jones, if you know who she is. Um, she, she made that, um, the, the Coven reboot they just did or whatever the, yeah. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Um, but it's, uh, and um, was it Adam Polly is in it too? And Fred Armisen. And it's a, it's a, it's a movie about uh, um, a, sorry, <laughs> it's a movie about a married couple that are having issues. And so they decide to start taking out all of their like arguments in song and form a band around it. And it's just <laughs> one of those, it's an indie movie for sure, but it's one of those, like no one saw it, no one heard of it, but it's like one of my favorite movies. Like it's so just well done. And it's got so much character and heart and stuff to it. And it's, you know, just this really personal story of these two, like trying to like fix their relationship through song. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I mean, it's, it's really, really well done. And is I was completely blown away by, it. I saw it during quarantine last year. I was looking for something to watch and I don't know, I encountered that somewhere. And I think someone on Reddit suggested it. They're like, oh, if you haven't seen Band-Aid by Zoe Lister-Jones, you got to check this out. And I saw that comment. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I was like, this movie is so good. And it just was on no one's radar at all. Like, I mean, yeah. it, and it had a, a big enough stars in it that you think someone would remember it. Yeah, I, I, I love Adam Pally. And um, yeah, and there's some other, you know, pretty decent names in there. It's, yeah. Um, all right, another one on the list. <laughs> Band-Aid. <laughs> um, 
okay my number three uh josh i know you're a fan of this movie too um that is from 08 in bruges um that is a good movie i was tempted to put seven psychopaths on this uh i believe it's martin mcdonough uh, he's an irish playwright and he's currently only written and directed three movies uh in bruges seven psychopaths and then the one that got attention where people are like oh who's this guy which is three billboards outside ebbing missouri um i think arguably that in bruges is his best movie um i know that that could be up for debate uh but it is that's just, not a debate it, it, it is his best movie well i don't know seven second Bats is very underrated uh, uh to me but like in bruges is just his style at best uh and, and also that style very much like i tried to for my play how does it make you feel try to merge like in bruges and clue like those styles and yeah in bruges is uh with colin farrell and uh dominic uh, uh brendan gleason brendan gleason not dominic gleason um and, and ray fines ray fines and it's, yeah, it's very much you can tell why Martin McDonough has like a famous like play background. Uh, it's because it's minimal characters, lots of dialogue. But I love that the movie like one minute will like make you potentially cry. Like it's just like soul crushing, like with some of the twists. And then like a moment later, uh, we'll just have you cracking up at some of the stupid sh stupidest shit. And then just the fact that he can juggle that uh is why he's one of my favorite writer directors um favorite writers comma favorite directors like i think he's in both those categories for me um and if you haven't it's usually on like netflix or streaming somewhere so go check out in bruges um it's one that it it's it's almost made me want to visit bruges <laughs> because um, i didn't it's clearly purgatory <laughs> stay away from that place <laughs> um yeah uh, i don't know uh i i think was it i don't remember if it was you that you're like oh you should really check out in bruges because i saw seven psychopaths uh first from him and uh i think yeah it was either you or someone in college is like you should really check out in bruges and i'm like all right fine it's on netflix and i was like oh shit <laughs> yeah i showed that movie to like everyone i could back in college because we before seven psychopaths came out because we went to uh i went to a screening of that actually and martin mcdonough was there so i met him very oh, wow. briefly he was it was the, like when i say met like I, I literally mean met him like it's one of those you know they had so many like people stop by to promote but i was leaving the theater and i had forgot something and we went back and he was standing outside the theater waiting for his car nice and so I just came up to him for him just talked to him for a second very nice guy so yeah i i seriously i really hope especially after three billboards getting all this award attention it's like, unwanted attention that for stuff well, yeah, unfortunately. Some controversies with that one. Some controversies that I, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I'll, I'll argue the controversies because I don't know. It's, <laughs> uh, I definitely just want to see what else he has to say in some other premise because uh, he always does original stories, whether it's from his plays or his movies. He does just original stories. Um, sure, some things can be you know swayed towards problematic but um he also just deals with a lot of dark subjects and that makes people uncomfortable um so yeah in bruges that's my number three could have easily also been my number one that's a um, that's a good pick yeah so josh now we're down to we're down to our final final two 
Okay, so you're going to think my, my final two are definitely like out of left field picks, but we're going to go with it. So number two is actually an Alfred Hitchcock movie from 1943 called Shadow of a Doubt. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it. I have not it seen was, it. It was, everyone thinks of like Rear Window, you know, Psycho, The Birds and stuff, but Shadow of a Doubt was about, um, I think she's supposed to be a teenage or something, this girl named Charlie who goes to visit her, her uncle comes to stay with her. Um, also named Charlie, because that's who she's named after. And it turns out that her uncle's like a serial killer. <laughs> and so it's this whole like, you know, kind of thing, a psychological movie where she's trying to figure out like, is her uncle this murderer? And what's she going to do when she finds out? And the uncle's trying to get onto her and everything about what's, you know, does she know his secret that he's been murdering all these women back in, I can't remember where it was. I haven't seen the movie in a while to be full disclosure, but I put it on number two because I feel like no one has heard of it or remembers this movie. And it's, um, and it's really, really, I mean, it's Alfred Hitchcock, so it's super well done. And I give no debate between that and like Rope, but every, people know Rope and like the gimmick, but no one's heard a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I've even seen Rope because of the gimmick, but um, which I think Rope is a little overrated in some sense. Yeah, that's, so that's why I didn't put Rope on there. And the but, same thing with like Rear Window and, and uh, Vertigo. Well, I think Vertigo would have been a good one. But, um, <laughs> but yes I, I will debate vertigo but yeah no that shadow of the doubt that premise just sounds you know like what we've talked about so many franchises nowadays like you, you can't have like unique premises like that anymore no and no one no one remembers the movie and i keep saying that that's like what i my my mantra for underrated picks is like if you you know i mean it's a famous director it's not just like an obscure movie out of nowhere but no one no one remembers it i think it's actually better than some of his more famous work definitely i'm sure it's better than vertigo i think that's his most overrated piece um uh, we'll debate the merits of Vertigo <laughs> on a different episode <laughs> sure I'm, i bet you're gonna say like oh visually this visually that i gotta i gotta rewatch it again and I gotta, i'm gonna I say go visit it again <laughs> i'm gonna say that's stupid premise and the stupid ending <laughs> i liked it um i i think north by northwest is one of my favorite tarantino or not tarantino uh hitchcock with uh yeah probably rear window but shadow of doubt sounds interesting um and yeah, that's, it is that's probably one of those like they'll sell like a hitchcock like eight pack or something it's like probably in one of those <laughs> i got it on the on the blu-ray set you know when that was a thing uh as we're on to my number two uh so i cheated on this one and and did like a tie for two but i'll explain why uh this is out of all my movies the most seen probably and most known um but i'm just gonna go ahead and say it first and then uh I'll explain more uh back to the futures part two and three uh <laughs> Uh, these ones, I, I tried to, I lumped them together because they were filmed back to back. Um, and yeah, I just think that obviously Back to the Future, one of my favorite movies of all time. A lot of people, it's either their favorite or it's like their top five, top 10. It just, you know, much like a lot of Spielberg movies, it just hits, as they say, like all the, all the quadrants, you know, it's, it's funny. It's got sci-fi. Um, yeah, Zemeckis yeah, directed Zemeckis. it um and i just feel like people saw the second or third one when they were like young and it wasn't as good as the original and therefore they just dismiss it and i just i don't know i think that the second and third have it's it's hard to follow up a movie that is considered one of the best of all time 
you know, and I think they tried their best. Like I, what I like about the second one is they have a section where they go to the future and they play around with that, but then they go back and they have to like interact with stuff from the first movie. And there's like doubles of characters and shenanigans. Uh, and I don't know. I just feel like two especially gets a lot of shit. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm a proud fan of two. Got my my hoverboard. Uh, just doesn't work on water. Um, and then the third one, you know, it's it, it can be campy with Doc's like love story. But like uh, as far as like westerns go, I still think better than a lot of westerns. Uh, it's, like, it's it's very clearly just like, hey, you know what we should do? A western. How do we yeah. get that funded? Back to the Future Three. Yeah, I mean, because think about it, like, that's that's probably what most Americans think of, like, if they had a time machine, is, like, going to the future, or, like, you want to be in the Old West, um, and uh, the third one is definitely the weakest one, but uh, I think it wraps up things nicely, and opposed to so many franchises, it, it, like, did try to, like, wrap up the story and be like, this is done now. Um, it left it open, it could continue, and, like, People for years have still been like, is there going to be a fourth one? Are they going to reboot it? Um, but it's like, no, this is just a trilogy. One, two, three, and that should be it. Uh, so yeah, I think if anyone is doubting two and three being fun, go rewatch them. I'm sure you'll enjoy them a lot more than, you know, plenty of movies that come out nowadays. See, I disagree. I think three is better than two. Oh, I think I think two two loses its its charm a little bit. It, it gets too dark and too it just doesn't know what it wants to do, and then it <laughs> when, and then three kind of redeems it. Well, uh, two uh, you don't like when his dad is dead in the future, <laughs> or like the yeah, the, it just it gets alternate. so dark and just so like. Uh, well, that's another thing too. The gets, the alter the Biff with like uh, all, <laughs> it gets it gets a little too much, and it 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 um and then the cliffhanger ending, of course, and you know. But yeah, three kind of redeems it with I, I liked I liked three. Um, yeah, I mean those are that's a good pick. And I think I I heard that I think either Zemeckis or the other Bob Gale, um, they own the rights to Back to the Future. Like when they made the movies, they made sure that they were the the rights holders, so no one can oh. make a sequel to it. And that's why there's never been another sequel or anything. Is because oh, believe me, I mean they're rebooting Ghost. How many times we've already had like two Ghostbusters in the last like five years? You know, I yeah. mean like they're gonna reboot everything they can. And so Back to the Future is one that you know until they die will probably be okay. Yeah, well, like that's one like if anything like and I think they tried, it's like, it maybe would have worked with like, I don't know, an animated series or something, you know, but like, it's not going to work as without those, that, that cast. Cause that's one thing too, besides Crispin Glover, the cast for all three movies, like stay the same. You no, know, the, had, Jenny's different. Oh, well, she's Je- is there Jennifer. What is her name? Jennifer, but she's, Jennifer. yeah, she, she, she does. Uh, she does change, but she is. It's a totally different woman for the two and three. But I'm just saying, she's a minor character. I'm saying like the top leads, like uh, Doc, Marty, Leah Thompson, uh, Thomas Biff. F. Wilson for Biff. Like they're in all of them, playing multiple ages <laughs> and years. Flea. Never forget fleas in the movie. Okay. I think he's only in two and three though. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, Back to Future Part Two and Three. I say check them out again. Um. 
And yeah, I wonder how many movies at that time did what they did, where it was like they filmed them, the sequels back to back, like at the same time, um, opposed to, I don't know, nowadays where it's like they may wait years before doing the sequel again. <laughs> See, Dune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Josh, we're down to your final most underrated movie that... Uh, yeah. Well, so I feel like with your picks, I should have picked something different because, like, I, I totally misread your audience or something. But um, <laughs> my uh, my number one pick is from 1973. Um, no, I think it's actually 74. I made a mistake. 1974. Um, Francis Ford Coppola, The Conversation with Gene Hackman. It came out the same year as The Godfather Part Two. It actually competed against The Godfather Part Two at the Oscars and lost. So Coppola was, <laughs> was nominated against himself, but it, it's just one of those, it really got overshadowed by The Godfather and, and everything then, but it's like, he, um, you ever see Enemy of the State with Will Smith and Gene Hackman? No. So it's, it's supposed, it's like kind of like The Rock where it's like a, you know, semi-sequel to The Conversation. Like Gene Hackman might be the same character between both movies, but he's a, um, I think it's NSA or whatever it was at the time, um, agent who listens in on people's conversations and kind of does some, you know, he's like a private contractor, does some spy work. And then he starts thinking he's being spied on mm. and starts slowly descending into madness, believing that all these people are listening to him all the time and that all his secrets are going to come out. And it's a, it's a very slow burn of a movie, but the ending stays with you forever. And it's been referenced in tons of stuff. Uh, Better Call Saul is a big example of, you know, taking stuff from the conversation. And I put it as my number one because it's such a good movie. It was nominated for so many things. It's one of Gene Hackman's best performances. And no one remembers it because it was overshadowed by The Godfather Part Two when that came out. Yeah, no, I, I love that pick, especially if if it's one that like was not only nominated, but it is, you know, <laughs> it was nominated against another movie that it just unfortunately had like no chance against. But it's so funny that it's the same director too. I mean, yeah. the same year. It's like um, if they just would have released it the following year, and then he could have got nominated for that. You know, it's like the Aaron Brockovich. Um, what was it Traffic? Traffic, both yeah, two thousand, yeah, two thousand, yeah, and that yeah. both good movies and Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, no, I uh, I'll admit I I obviously don't have really any old movies on my list, uh, but that's usually because unless. I've been recommended an old movie for a certain reason. Uh, I haven't taken a look and uh, I, I didn't have, you know, uh, as many chances growing up to see classic movies, but yeah, no, uh, that so I sounds. Your, I misread your audience here. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not the audience back they can write. They can write me letters. About why did you pick movies from 1943 and 1974? <laughs> they both sound good though. They, they actually, it, it, it's, it'd be different if you picked one. I'm like, ah, it doesn't sound that great, you know, but like they both sound, especially shadow of a doubt. Um, this too, I'm curious if it's one of, Hackman's best performances because also like everyone talks about Godfather 1 and 2 I feel like no one talks about almost any other Coppola movie besides Apocalypse me. Now I was I mean, gonna say Apocalypse, yeah, Apocalypse Now like now. those three and then what I'm I'm I'm, I'm I want to check that out I hope that that's streaming somewhere see like obscure movies like that um I feel like 
should just be available streaming somewhere. <laughs> is, that, is this the time I get to plug Criterion and tell you <laughs> to get the Criterion streaming service? <laughs> um, all right. So my number one definitely wouldn't be on the Criterion uh, collection. Maybe maybe years from now. Um, Real quick, the conversation is on Hulu for those who are interested. Nice. It is available on Hulu. Nice. Um, so this... I've probably talked about this on the podcast before. I love this director. Um, eh, Ryan Johnson's 2012 movie Looper is my number one. Uh, Looper, I think, is just such a quality, like, original story uh, movie that came, people enjoyed. It was, like, on a lot of top ten lists. Uh, wasn't nominated um, but was still like a lot of critics top tens lists for the year. And then no one ever talked about it again. <laughs> it just <laughs> disappeared into the ether. And I feel like I'm the one always telling people to watch Looper. Uh, Cause his first three movies are completely forgotten. Yeah. Like, like brothers bloom and Looper. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen brick, but yeah, brothers bloom also uh, on a rewatch was very enjoyable. Um, I think that Looper, uh, People should really watch because it's like this is the guy that they allowed to do a Star Wars movie. Um, and I don't want to say it's just because of Looper. It's obviously because like his writing and directing ability. But uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure the people at Lucasfilm had heard of Looper and seen it, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like some of the some of the picks they had for director. But I mean, Ryan Johnson was by far above and beyond all the other directors that they picked for making a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And he's one of the few that actually succeeded in making a Star Wars movie. The rest yes. seem to start and stop and never get anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, especially if you enjoyed like Knives Out, it's not as like fun as that. Uh, Cause that's like a murder. They're mystery. very different movies. They're very different, but like Looper, um, I think gives a very good performance from Bruce Willis, uh, which like, <laughs> Which is a weird what? sentence to say. Which is weird because like he doesn't really give performances, but there's like a scene where he has to like get very emotional, and I'm like, hey, I didn't know Bruce had that in him, you know. Like, <laughs> um, uh, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt does a pretty good young Bruce Willis impression, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, the makeup. Uh, yeah, I. The big Emily thing Blunt. I, Emily Blunt's in it too. She's she does a really good job. Emily Blunt is good. Uh, what I enjoyed about the movie, and you can watch the trailer, is if you watch the trailer, and this is actually something I've noticed for a lot of Ryan Johnson movies. So I don't know if it's someone in his like team or the marketing department, he convinces them. But the movie is the gimmick, like a younger Bruce Willis, like a younger self has to kill his older self. Uh, like that's what loopers do. Um, and it's like, it looks like it's just gonna be an action movie. But it's totally not that where everything they show in the trailer is probably within the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie. It feels like they don't really show a lot. And then all of a sudden, like halfway through the movie, there's this whole other subplot and character that you had no idea is not in the trailer at all. And so it just felt so fresh because I'm like, huh, I didn't think it would go in this direction at all. Um, and hopefully is a movie that's not going to have any sequels. Like it's just a one and done story. 
um yeah looper I, I i love it i'm also a huge fan of time travel stuff so uh i think he handled it well and uh it's also one that yeah i think it's only like an hour 45 or something like hour 50 like it's it, it goes by pretty quickly yeah that's a, that's a good pick i i forgot about looper so i guess that i watched it like within the last couple of years too but it is i mean i think it's i mean it's well more well known than brick or brothers bloom but um not as well hated as the last jedi or um which i love like that is by far like one of the best star wars movies oh but absolutely agree that's just, why I've... it's just everyone i'm not gonna get into it. we're not getting into star not wars. gonna get I, into it i've been know. i've been telling everyone i can't i can't do it anymore i just i yeah it's star i have wars to let it go it's just a toxic <laughs> fandom uh, of all the toxic fandoms and it's like, I'm sorry, you're incorrect. Last Jedi is a good movie. There are some flaws, just like all of the Star Wars movies. Um, but I, I think that Ryan Johnson is one of those directors, especially so far that like you look at his career um, and like every one of his movies feel unique and original. Um, and like Knives Out was one of my favorites and I was so glad that got like attention and you know did well enough to where he's gonna be doing two sequels with that that detective character Benoit Blanc, <laughs> um, and hey, Craig a, needs to work now. I guess got a massive Netflix deal, <laughs> like four hundred million dollars, which is crazy. But yeah. hey, you know what? I mean, I'll I'll watch it. I mean, if if he's got ideas for it, go for it. Yeah. Is he, uh, do you think he's ever going to have a Star Wars trilogy, or do you think that was canceled quietly? And we're just never going to talk about it again. Oh, I'm I'm sure it was canceled quietly, or maybe it'll happen like later. Like, uh, they'll hopefully try to have people forget about Last Jedi, and then he'll be like, hey, by the way, you know, I don't know. Honestly, I would prefer he work on movies like Knives Out or Looper, like just original stories, or like, like you said, if he has an idea for something he wants to sequelize of his own work, opposed to juggling another property where you could tell, even in the interviews, how much he loved that property, but people would just shit on that movie for no reason. It really for something kind of good to watch to um, check out the director and the Jedi. I think it's on, it's in the bonus features of the last Jedi on Disney plus. It's like a feature length documentary about the making of the last Jedi. Oh. Um, and it's really, really well done. Um, it's, it's one of the better, you know, making of docs I've seen. I mean, it really kind of goes into Ryan Johnson's process and you know, what, what went into the movie and just, I mean, amazing some of the stuff that was not actual like CG and just like, you can just feel his love of the franchise, you know, and not rehashing it of going, I want to push this in a direction that excites me. And, but yeah, know, also feels very like i don't want to say similar to empire strikes back but it's like i can see the comparisons but then also i see where he tried to do new things and people are like ah new but also i don't want you to copy like force awakens did. it's like okay well i don't know what you want then <laughs> it's very it's very much like winking nods at empire but you know there's the walkers and all that stuff but they never actually do the same thing where i mean you know, if I describe to you vaguely this, the plot of The Force Awakens versus, you know, um, a new the, the, yeah, the original Star Wars, you know, it'd be like, wait, which one are you talking about right now? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, that was uh, some underrated movies um, uh, before we <laughs> go down too deep in the rabbit hole of Ryan. Yeah, Jones we're done with Star Wars. Jedi. <laughs> I, I, promised, I promised my anger group that I would stop... <laughs> 
talking about Star Wars before we get to the unforgivable yeah, episode I, nine. Yeah, I um last thing I'll say on Star Wars and then we can move on is like and, and I finally heard it on a podcast, someone else say it, and I'm like, all right, great. I'm not the only one with this thought. Is like they just need to try other genres in the Star Wars universe. Like make a horror movie in the Star Wars universe. Make like a straight up comedy, you know, whatever you got to do, just try different things in that universe. People will already go because it's Star Wars, but then you don't need to have like $300 million sci-fi epics. You can just do uh, stuff like Mandalorian uh, with the, (laughs) and it's um, on a giant TV screen. (laughs) (laughs) But um, real quick, uh, before we wrap up here, Josh, if you want to go ahead and read your, your, your 10 again, uh, your 10 through one um, to recap. My 10 through one, uh, number 10 is Noah. Number nine is Burn After Reading. Number eight is Prisoners of the Prestige and Zodiac. And for those who weren't listening and tuned in just to this part of the podcast, those are three separate movies. Number seven is The New World. Number six is Lars and the Real Girl. Number five is The Terminal. Number four, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Number three, Band Aid. Number two, Shadow of a Doubt. And number one, The Conversation. Nice. Uh, my number 10 was Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, number nine was Prisoners also. Uh, number eight was Warrior. Seven was 50-50. Uh, six was 310 to Yuma, uh, the 2007 version by James Mangold. Um, number five is Game Night. Number four is The Nice Guys. Uh, number three is In Bruges. Number two is a tie between Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 3. And then my number one is Looper. So you two Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies on there? <laughs> I did. 5050 is very underrated. I, I that was my favorite movie of 2011. Like <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. So that was a good one. I, I completely forgot about that movie. Yeah, uh exactly. A lot of people did. Uh <laughs> uh and and the only connecting tissue for both the lists is prisoners. <laughs> That's true. And Ryan Gosling. We both have Ryan Gosling on there. Oh, well, of course. Uh <laughs> um yeah, so I guess it, out of all these movies you guys should check out if you haven't seen them, probably one of the top ones is Prisoners because it made both of our top tens. Um, yeah, and like Just, I said... Just, uh, you know, maybe be in a good mood before you watch it. <laughs> well, I talk all about that, like I said, on um, the uh, Defending Your Movie podcast. That's an episode coming out where we talk about Prisoners. Because, yeah, uh, Denis Villeneuve um, did that one. He also did Sicario, Arrival... Uh, enemy uh he, he uh blade, blade runner 2049 blade runner 2049 if you look at all those movies like and this is actually like a mini little thought on dune is they're all serious movies like they're usually very serious large they're usually large scale in some sense or at least dramatic and you know good performances um sometimes they're high concept but it's just the fact that like you won't see any Marvel quips in those ones. <laughs> Which <laughs> like, is probably good, because, I mean, Marvel's a tendency to ruin emotional moments with quips. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think that it's... I could totally understand people not being a fan of, like, super serious movies like that. So, like, just know going in, it's dark, it's brutal, um, and it is, you know, it's serious. It's <laughs> it's a very, you know, all of them are very serious movies. Oh, that's a good um, uh, underrated or uh, uh, honorable mention, a serious man. 
by the Coen brothers. You got to check that one out, too. That's a good one. I did not see that one. Um, no one right. remembers their, like, mid-thousands stuff. Like, after, <laughs> after, like, No Country for Old Men, they made, like, really good movies, and no one remembers them. Well, but, like, I don't know. I feel like Coen's have kind of, like, what have they been up to? Like, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Like, like what have they? They have, um, well, Ethan Coen is no longer making movies. So they broke up. The Coen brothers broke up. What? Yeah. When did that happen? He just wants to make plays or something now. So Joel Cohen has uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth coming out um, in December. And I think Apple TV Plus in January is an A24 release. But it's oh. um, Francis McDormand as uh, Lady Macbeth. And then Denzel is Macbeth. And wow. like it looks fantastic, and I heard it's just phenomenal from some of the the festivals it's played in. So the Cohen brothers, the Cohen brother, does have a movie coming out. Hmm. Wow. Does that mean uh, the one Cohen, his last movie is going to be the Ballad of Buster Scruggs? I think he'll come back. He just says he's not interested in making movies right now. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I hope you don't go out on that note, like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll give it to him because, like, I mean, at least that's a legitimate, like, hey, I'm going to go, you know, make some plays while you go make these artsy Macbeth movies versus, like, the Wachowski sisters who were like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to do another Matrix. It was like, all I want to do is another Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how, how Matrix 4 is uh, in, like, a month now. Um, but, yeah, guys, that was our top 10 most underrated movies. Uh, yeah, it's... I I feel like I, I was thinking going into this, I'm like, oh, he's probably gonna name a good amount of scene and then fucking pulls out like good good half at least half of them I haven't seen. Some of I which I haven't even heard of for sure. <laughs> um but yeah, uh so please comment or share if you have some underrated movies that we did not uh discuss that uh you would put on your top ten list if you made one. If you made a top ten list, I'd love to see it. Um add more stuff to my watch list. But uh yeah, uh, Josh, where can uh, you want to share where you can be found on social medias? You can find me um at J Scott Sibley on most uh, social media platforms. You can also find uh Deft Pictures on uh that's D-E-F-T on most social media platforms. And we, as I said, we're gearing up for the release of our new short film, The Wraith, coming out uh, in a couple months, hopefully. We'll see. Festivals, all that good stuff. Look for some behind the scenes stuff with that. And uh instant movie reviews, which is part of Deft Pictures and the whole thing, and I host and produce, and you can find that um same place it's just look for instant movie reviews and look for my face <laughs> yeah and uh please uh check out all entertainment buffet stuff uh, especially the youtube um support us there uh, seriously if you just watch some of the videos um uh, we, we get ad money from youtube and that goes to all the artists who created uh the various uh, content on there um the entertainment buffet podcast is available on the youtube page on anchor spotify apple whatever is easiest for you we're on most platforms but yeah uh thanks you uh for listening i hope to hear some other lists of underrated movies because i always love recommendations but uh and thanks for coming on josh thanks for having me